1: Wow. Wow.
0: Uh, Hi. Hi. Um, It's it's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why
1: this show, I'm nervous about this one. Yeah, we're really mad because we're nervous. Yeah, we're mad at (laughs) ourselves, (laughs) we're mad at, you know.
0: We've been out uh, all across America doing this show for the past year, year and a half, Mm -hmm. quite some time. Oh. Thank you, but we've gone everywhere but Idaho <laughs> for some reason, right? Is that it? Uh, just about, just about. <laughs> Alaska. We're coming for you, Alaska. <laughs> wow. But then uh, LA, it's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different beast to come back to our hometown and perform for you here tonight. Yeah. It's very uh,
1: scary yeah we we don't want you guys to like if anyone else hates us in fucking arizona i mean come on shit, but like who are they gonna tell <laughs> but here ugh. i know i could be disowned by my parents that oh, that's are that's right floating around the audience somewhere don't make eye contact They're there they <laughs> are shit you have a ton of parents <laughs> Fucking 17 parents over there. Um, I was a handful as a kid. I was hard to parent, so they just... So they had to call
0: in a bunch of backups Mm -hmm. and reserves. My dad was going to come, but then he was not sure he could get an aisle seat, so then he was just like, forget it. Are you serious? Yeah, because he has a bad hip, and then he's like, "Uh, I'm going to have to walk, and I was just like, well, cool, then stay home (laughs) for sure. Do you know that my dad...
1: Text Vince and was like, "Hey, can I get Nile?"
0: <laughs>
1: is that a dad thing? It might be. Oh my god, yeah. aisles totally a dad thing. Because
0: you know, you never know if somebody out in the lobby is going to have to write a check for an electric bill and that <laughs> a dad needs to run out there and oversee that shit.
1: Well, you got it. he's got to make sure that he put it in your what it's called
0: that I don't use. You know um, when you write uh, down the, the I don't either. It's the called the log book. Right. It's um it's so, called a checking log book. Thank you. That's it's right. It's so 80s. Right right? No one fucking uses those things anymore. Come on. That's the thing you use to test if the pen is working. (laughs) That's the thing you use when you're um,
1: financially responsible. Who's that? I don't know. (laughs) And like want to keep track of your purchases instead of like wanting to not remember all the horrible
0: purchases you've made. Right? I've always done the thing where you just do, you get whatever the ATM will give you and you go. (laughs) Like you take it and you fucking go. Oh, you won't give me forty. How about twenty? I'll go, I'll go lower if you will.
1: ATM, have you in your life? Gone, why won't they just give you fives? I don't understand why you can't get smaller.
0: I do need. You, what about? Did you ever do the thing where you had like eighteen ninety-eight in uh-huh. the bank, so then you write yourself a check for three dollars that you know is gonna bounce, so you can have a twenty-dollar bill? Are you serious? No. I oh, I'm the bad one now. <laughs> Now you turn on me. I'm saying no in a way that that's fucking genius. Right? I
1: wish I had known that when I was Thank crying you. over not having $20. dollars i can
0: write a check. It's fine. It's Just to you. <laughs> what are you going to... You don't have any service fees. You're fine. Do you want to show everybody your cute, cute dress?
1: I do. Look at... Did you see it? Thank you. I'm so... Look at SSCGM. It, it. has our thing on it. So the... Uh, this is a dress made by a local designer who's super lovely and keeps, uh, for some reason, giving me dresses. I don't. She thinks I'm like... It's good for business. Yeah. So she was like, this time she's like in L.A., and she's like, I'm going to make you a special dress. I'm like, absolutely, but I'm going to pay you this time because... Um, and she did, and she's act. here, April. It's it's called uh, May 68 is the company. What's it called? May 68. May I'll put 68, it up everybody.
0: Look it. Yeah. Welcome around. Walk him around, walk him around. Yes, look it. She can run in that dress. She can hide things in her pockets in that dress.
1: I legit just kind of twisted my ankle, running around Did you for around. real? Uh-huh. You gotta be careful. And when I was trying to show you that I could put both my hands in my pockets, I almost went, oh, I'll hold this in my mouth. <laughs> I... Filthy. What am I
0: doing on a stage? The live shows are highly sexual and very (laughs) dangerous. Also, what I love about it is this is a straight up The Shining Twins outfit, which is. Come play with me. You're Uh, just me. Come play with me. Come play with you by yourself. I would have done it. I didn't. But I had to wear my. Yeah, tell us about this this amazing thing. Guys, please don't. I'll get mad. I'll get mad. Um, look, I love the Pat Benatar video, "Love Is a Battlefield." <laughs> I feel like piling up your dress. You can put anyone can put on a dress, <laughs> but oh, putting shit. on a dress and then piling more dress on that dress and kind of going outward with it is brave. It's is high it fashion, radical self. It's radical acceptance. self-acceptance through the hugest pockets you can find at Macy's. That's right these are pockets i can put anything in here pour a bottle of water in there (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna fill my pockets with water and drink out of my pockets for the duration of the show i love it stay hydrated oh my god coachella was amazing this year oh my god (laughs) mushrooms Yes. water. It's aquatic. the same water.
1: Uh, she texted me yesterday while you were uh, at the store looking <laughs> for dresses and was and did the fucking classic question that we all know the fucking answer to, which is not there is no such thing, which is how much cleavage
0: is too much cleavage. Yeah, there's no such
1: thing. I that had an ad,
0: I had to add a panel to this dress because I'm not. I'm not all that interested in wearing a dress anyway, <laughs> but I certainly wasn't going to go full like S- Star Trek <laughs> Voyager <laughs> with this fucking thing. And he, this is the best part. So <laughs> I'm trying. I, I just grabbed as many black dresses with pockets as I could find in Macy's, and then I went into an abandoned fitting room. Uh, <laughs> this is Macy's, and. Um, <laughs> But I went into the first one that, where you walk in, and trying, uh, I'm in, the, in between trying on one dress and the other, so I'm like taking something off, mm. and the door opens. Oh, no, 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 no. Very far open. <laughs> and this lady just kind of goes, What? And I'm kind of like, <laughs> I was like, you know, shut it. <laughs> And she goes, she was like kind of bitching. She like shut the door. She goes, sorry, why don't you lock it? Ah! It's your fault. So then I'm standing fault. there all shamed. Fitting room nude. The worst yeah. way you can be. Because the you're grossest. trying not to look at the mirror that's right here and behind you. You're fucking, it's fluorescent lighting. Yeah. It's, it's against you in every direction. I don't then know why, I'm, yeah. Well, I was just like, She was wearing a baseball hat, and I'm like, wait a second, is this some fucking new shame porn where they get you, like, they trick people? Oh, no. And if it's not, that's my idea. Don't fucking steal it. That's my money. Steven, write that down. Steven! Um, Oh, also... He's not here. Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> what if we didn't allow him to come to the L.A. show? <laughs> Steven, where
1: are you? He's actually down. He's in the car. He's waiting in the car. If
0: we yell your name four times, that's your cue. Get out here! Damn. Damn! Yeah. Look at him. Oh, oh, right. oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's fine. You're fine. <laughs> Open. everything's fine it's fine <laughs> it's, it's not like at home it's not like at home no no <laughs> um look at his shirt everyone selena. Oh. he loves cats and selena and dinosaurs
2: oh my gosh hi
0: <laughs> it's scary huh <laughs> oh this is great um, Steve, we told Stephen that we wanted him to think of a, one of his favorite anecdotes from his uh, from his career of working for us on My Favorite Murder. Mm-hmm. What have you come up with?
1: Um, we both like coffee.
0: G- great one. See you later, <laughs> Stephen.
1: No, I when I was thinking about this, like the earliest like memory that really stuck in my head was when the fireworks went off next to your oh, apartment, no. <laughs> and I just feel like in that moment we were all together. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Hats are going everywhere, and we were just like, "All right, let's just get back to business." Let's, you know.
0: We didn't so, even edit it out. It was no. just like, "Well, let's keep going." We were like, "Let's set the tone with this level of professionalism, <laughs> so that all the expectations are as low as possible." Yeah. Someone
1: said they swerved in their car when they heard it while they were listening in the car. Oh,
0: we killed over eleven people with this just that one episode. It happens. Yeah. That, was, that, that was fun. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Steven, Good job. you've done a great job. You've done it. We love you. We love you, Steven. <laughs> of course, the sound guy talks about some crazy sound thing that happened one time. <laughs> How unprofessional we are! <laughs> the
1: train, the, there's the ghost train. There's the fucking helicopters.
0: Oh my god, there have been so many sounds over the years. Let's talk about sound. It's nuts.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, what? Oh, we got our makeup done. <laughs> Show them your face,
0: like professionals. <laughs> I was like, please give me a strong eyebrow. And she was like, I got you, girl.
1: And she's fucking here too, Alicia, our friend. Yeah.
0: Are we it. those people now? <clears throat> and I'd like to thank <laughs> my podiatrist is here tonight. What an amazing man. Well,
1: we actually did invite all of our therapists to this <laughs> show. Guess how many of our therapists
0: came? None. Mine told me she is not a fan of my work. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. right. That's how you keep that money coming in. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about it next week. I don't like what you do.
1: I don't approve of it. Do you think they've all maybe just like listened to one episode just to see what they're really dealing with?
0: Yes, in that little kitchen area. Oh, I forget (laughs) yours isn't where mine is. Ours
1: is where yours is. That's right. And I know for a fucking fact, he, we invited him, and he was like, "I just want to I think we should keep this pers- like a personal level. I don't want- I've avoided listening to the podcast, and I was like, bullshit, you fucking hated it.
0: I, uh, the way he said it made me well up, where I was like, rejection in a therapist's office is <laughs> next level. Uh-huh. It's next level pain where you're just like, "I don't care about you. I don't care if you kind of fucking Joe? Who cares?
1: Uh, it's so LA to get rejected so, by your fucking therapist.
0: They're at the fucking live Chapo Trap House right now. You're just like, what? <laughs> All of them are together right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. At a different live podcast was the joke. Oh, I I I may have I pronounced the name wrong or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> it just didn't get
1: the reference. Probably. Yeah, maybe. It happens a lot. Could have been that. It
0: happens a lot to me. You know what, uh, here, let me try it again. Okay. They're, they're all together at, um, undisclosed. Oh, the no, live no. pod, okay, it's a pod. Oh no!
1: Elvis? Is El- there's a fucking baby here!
0: Give that baby to me right now! Hi! <laughs> Hi! Are you fucking kidding oh. me? Hi baby! Hi! Hi! Hi. That's actually my therapist. <laughs> You're doing such a good job. You Thank are. Thank you. God, I thought it was a fucking goat. I swear <laughs> to God. I was like, we can't have that at this show. What if someone who knew I wasn't at home right now went and stole Elvis and brought him here? <laughs> and then squeezed him really hard <laughs> no. and in downtime. I'm just saying to get the sound. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't happen. It didn't actually happen. Uh. Is the baby gonna make a noise the whole time? Because it was cute the first time, but we've got some podcasting to do.
1: Yeah, this rug you is need not a little, gonna pay for do what it, My so. grandma used to just but. put
0: a little whiskey on his tongue, <laughs> or hers. Just to it to myself before the show.
1: Oh, this is my favorite murder of the podcast. Oh uh, yes. This is Karen Kilgariff. This is Georgia Hardstock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, LA. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're honored to be here. We like to thank, you know, people. <laughs> that fucking baby, that baby. Number one, first For every, and foremost. First and foremost, baby, you're going to go through some therapy I swear someday. swear to God.
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> At the show. Everybody lift your baby up right now. Just so we know how many babies we're dealing with. Four? Seven? Eighteen babies? Uh, should we sit down? Is it sit-down time? I think it's sit-down time. Yeah, I don't think we have anything else. we're on a clock. We're on a serious clock. Oh, you, you forgot to introduce the, our thing. Oh, yeah. There's a man standing under this table. Yeah. He's, um, he's... He's just really into... Yeah, mime and just <laughs> kind of his feet. a just, he's a performance artist despite a site specific performance artist so he's just going to be bent at the waist for this whole
1: show <laughs> oh done. do you know do you know what our friend Lizzie texts me Today that she was doing a comedy show at an erotic bookstore, (laughs) and she was like, don't worry, it's really classy. And she's like, I went to pee, and there's a watercolor painting of you and Karen on the wall in the bathroom. Shit. And I was like, I'm sorry you had to see that while you were peeing. Watercolors, huh?
0: (laughs) I would have gone acrylics, (laughs) certainly that's a that's kind of advanced art yeah well who
1: knows I Steven mean Steven spilled my water oh. I don't know what to do about it no it's okay it's okay
0: Steven yelling sorry doesn't help <laughs> he just goes sorry <laughs> millennial <sighs> thank god for Steven mm. yep yeah. Let us pray. Dear Jesus. Oh, I'm Jewish. Oh, that's right. Dear that God, you're the first and you're the best. You're the number one Old Testament God and we're scared of you. Thanks. Thank you. That's my new hit. Number one God. Coming out to all the Jews in the audience tonight. (laughs) Represent. It's just my
1: family. There's like (laughs) four of you. And their rabbi.
0: MadeInCookware.com That's
1: M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com Goodbye
0: Okay, I'm going to go first tonight Yep Um, Thank you (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited So, um, this is kind of a jerk around To say, but Uh uh, I was going to do um, I was going to do the Hillside Stranglers. Uh-huh. Why did oh, Oh, are you really bummed out? <laughs> um, it is such a fucking horrible uh-huh. story, ju- and it just keeps going horribleness. The only f- like potentially fun part is <laughs> when Kenneth Bianchi at the end tries to pretend he has multiple personalities. Like that gets a little light, but for the most part it would have been a real slog. So (laughs) as I was looking up, uh, stuff about that, um, I stumbled upon a a blog, uh, called deranged LA crimes. And it's written by a woman named Joan Renner. I assumed Jeremy's sister. And, (laughs) and it's an amazing, uh, true crime blog about, obviously deranged LA crimes and on uh, that blog she had this whole post about a person I had never heard of and that is such an incredible fucking individual that I get that I was like this is the story I have to do so I'm going to tell you guys tonight all about uh, LA's foremost newspaper mm. crime reporter Agnes Aggie Underwood. Ooh. That's right clap politely because you wish it was the fucking Hellside Stranglers. (laughs) You creeps. (laughs) Um, alright, I'm gonna start by, re- can we bring up her first picture, Steven? It's real good. She's at a bar. Oh, look at her. And this, the cool thing about this, too, is it all takes place downtown. Like, oh, all shit. of these, all of these newspapers were down here. It's like, everyone, she starts at one newspaper, she goes around the corner, it's all like, it's spring and eighth and fucking ninth and fourth or whatever. So look you're going <laughs> to love how local it is. Picture of beer right there. Girl, she drank day and night. <laughs> And also finger waves, yeah. which we love. Absolutely. Love I and respect. Perm. That's a fuck. It's straight up perm. Do you think it's a perm? Tight perm. Perm. Oh right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start by reading you. This is the. She wrote a, an autobiography in 1947 called Newspaper Woman. That's yes. all one word. <laughs> so. Here's the dust jacket for newspaper woman. Agnes Underwood has written a crackling, breezy, no words minced account of her behind-the-news experiences as a top-notch reporter and as city editor of the Los Angeles Evening Herald and Express. In celebrity and sensation-rich Los Angeles, one of the fastest, most competitive news centers of the world, she is on top of every story that breaks seven editions a day. As a rough-and-tumble, hardworking working cityside reporter, she's covered every important West Coast murder and criminal trial in the past 21 years. every major disaster from floods to fires to earthquakes and explosions. Shit. Remember back when there was just fucking explosions (laughs) on the street constantly? (laughs) Just like... You know all those explosions that uh, kept happening. I'm I'm just standing there at spring and eighth. Explosion. (laughs) Reporters. Ten reporters arrive. Her stories have included strikes, traffic deaths, plane crashes, rapes, amnesia cases, suicides, divorce trials, shootings, robberies, Hollywood premieres. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. very similar oh no mm. racetrack openings <laughs> oh that's the end of that list in the course of working her story she has gone unwashed thirsty hungry sleepless what? we're still in the dust jacket i Shh. swear to god are you reading us the book yes just and page 29 <laughs> uh she is she has dodged flying embers been half drowned trapped in the hills by brush fires threatened by goons she's not a very good reporter i don't think (laughs) those things are fucking happening she's kind of like um she has a colombo thing where she just keeps getting trapped in a brush fire and she's just like uh excuse me ma'am can i ask one more question (laughs) about this brush fire (laughs) choked by tear gas now this seasoned reporter has checked back over her stories to tell how she lined up exclusives and persuaded tough ones to talk uh, how she got pictures when the subjects were belligerent how she talked her way into hostile homes what um how she copes with hollywood press agents and how the los angeles reporters cut the stars down to size yeah, yeah. fuck them the reason we all live here <laughs> hard garish rough through her though her work has been whoops she has loved it her memoirs reveal how she convinced skeptics that a woman can run a city desk and raise a family by telephone
1: whoops wait what
0: (laughs) don't do that uh okay put your brother on (laughs) how much is it bleeding in courts without blowing up under pressure that was the last line exploding those explosions (laughs) without (laughs) exploding those were all the explosions were reporters all (laughs) around los angeles (laughs) it's too much okay so we'll start with her early life aggie Underwood was born agnes may wilson on december 17th 1902 in san francisco (laughs) Uh, isn't it the best and it's so green up there and the people are so nice (laughs) and it's so cheap it's cheap to live there it's a bargain. Her father was a glass blower, huh? You can make money off that? I mean, uh, her mother, uh, so her mother dies when she's six in childbirth. Her father had to travel for work. So he sends her and her younger sister um, off to family in Illinois and in Indiana. And long story short, yes, let's hear it for those two great states
1: out in the middle. Wait, he, I feel like he was lying when he was like, I got to travel for glass blowing. I want to get rid of these kids cuz I don't want to parent them by myself anymore. I think right now.
0: yes, and I think if she if it's 1902 and it's an Irish family in San Francisco, we've got some alcoholism issues <laughs> that maybe some people don't want to talk about uh, on the dust jacket cover of their book. <laughs> Um, so they they go to live with family, and she basically says the families were dicks, and then they get moved into foster care at one abusive home. Aggie pours ketchup on the head of her foster mother to protect her little sister from a beating so oh, that didn 't work, I bet. I mean, I just—I bet it just slowed the beating down and kind of focused in on her more. And then her hair was real shiny afterwards. Oh, no, you're thinking of uh, mayonnaise. Oh, right. That's a mayonnaise treatment. What does ketchup do? Skunks. Right, she didn't smell like a skunk (laughs) anymore. (laughs) My mom once told me that in nursing school, she was so broke that she and her friend used to go to diners, and they would order a bowl of hot water and put ketchup in it and then eat the free crackers and drink homemade tomato soup. No. Isn't that simply the grossest thing you've ever heard in your life? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so Aggie's super smart. She actually, in school, she skipped a grade three different times. Um, but she ends up, when she's a sophomore in high school, she's like, this isn't for me. She's like, and I'm she 12.
1: Bails. This isn't working for me.
0: <laughs> I'm 12. Everyone's older. Yeah. I, I don't get their references. Right. Um, so she drops out and in November 1918 when she's 16 years old she goes to live with a relative in San Francisco the relative has an apartment on Geary Street this is like a deeply sad story she knew that she would have to work for a living so she went out to get a job and I mean it's 1918 in San Francisco so she's like I'll sell matchsticks or whatever (laughs) um But she wants to contribute to the household, so she goes to try to get a job. And after a few days um, of job hunting that's unsuccessful, she comes back to the apartment only to discover that her relative has moved out, (gasps) leaving Underwood Underwood broke alone and homeless. What a dick. So then, this is so Dickensian, next level, uh, she's got another female relative that lives in L.A. And the the female relative is like, you can come and live with me. And then when she gets there, she realizes that her relative was only invited her to live there because she wanted to make her into a child star, <laughs> and so then when Aggie was like, "Yeah, that's not my bag at all," she was like, "Oh, then you can't live here anymore." That's so then, so weird. She once again is homeless. Uh, at I think by that time she was 17. So, um, she gets a job at the Broadway department store down here in downtown Los Angeles, and she moves into a Salvation Army home. Uh, and then in 1920 she's 18. She's now got a job at the pig and whistle downtown. Oh, nice, right? You've heard of it. You've been super shit-faced there. You've tried <laughs> to play darts when you were super shit-faced You hit your friend in the leg. Oh, you know story. no So when she's working there as a waitress, she meets one of the, her co-workers was a soda jerk named Harry Underwood and one day she comes to work and she's all upset because that relative that had tried to make her into a child star shows up again and says if you don't come back move in with me give me all your paychecks um i will turn you into the authorities for being under for living by yourself underage." and she's freaking out about it so harry underwood says well your relative wouldn't have a case if we were married so they get married it's the most romantic story (laughs) you've ever heard like if they stay
1: together, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard. If he's a dick, then I'm going to be bummed. It
0: seems like Harry Underwood was fine. Right. They eventually oh. get divorced. Eventually. Because okay. 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 she's uh, such a working woman. But, you know, sometimes it, you, people grow apart. It's true. Especially when you're trying to raise a family by the phone. <laughs>
1: right? It's so hard your ear hurts and you get the, like <laughs> a shoulder cramp. Plus back then it was the finger dial thing. Ugh. It took fucking forever. To call she me. started raising the family like
0: this and she <laughs> finally got to move to this. Broadway
1: 129.
0: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Broadway 3247. Come in Broadway 3247. <laughs> so they get married. And they very quickly, this is how I read it in one of the articles, they quickly had two children, which is exactly how the Irish do it. As quickly as possible, just back them right up against each other, and then they can take care of each other. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. So here, her illustrious career starts in 1926. She's a mother of two. Um, the family is, you know, kind of broke. Um, her sister is living with them too. Her sister's working. Obviously, Harry Underwood. Underwood is a, is a high level soda jerk. And <laughs> so she, She's frustrated because she wants silk stockings, which is what everyone wears, but they can't afford them. She, she has to wear her little sister's hand-me-down silk stockings. So she goes to Harry one day and she's like, you need to buy me a new pair of silk stockings. And he's like, no way. And she's like, fine, I'll buy them myself. And then she's like, oh, shit, I don't have any money or a job. <laughs> um and she didn't really have any intention of getting a job and then the next day her very close friend Evelyn Connors calls her and goes hey do you have any interest in working the switchboard at the Los Angeles Daily Record and so she's like hell yes because she wants them stockings girl. This is a I Love Lucy plotline isn't tot- it? it probably is. I remember this episode yeah. oh no I'm sorry I'm reading a bunch of I Love Lucy episodes <laughs>
1: this is the other podcast that you do I love Lucy
0: and then they ate chocolate after chocolate (laughs) okay so so yeah that all comes together she was also the author of The Secret just kidding that's (laughs) not true (laughs) it's not true so in October of 1926 uh, Agnes reports to 612 Wall Street which is literally within walking distance of where we are right now let's Uh all go there right now let's walk there (laughs) She begins her job as a switchboard operator and because of her work ethic and her personality um, she earns the attention of the women's section editor, a woman uh, whose working name was Cynthia Gray but whose real name was Gertrude Pierce. Yes, it was. Right? Because it's 1927 and Aggie and Gertrude are going to be best fucking friends. Aggie and Gertie. Gertie. Ag and Gert. Ag, Ag and Gert. A and G. Let's just keep fucking shortening right? them. Right? Because they don't have time. It's a newspaper. No. There's no time. None. They even shortened A and G down to a s- series of specific nods. That's a, <laughs> it was worth, that was worth trying to spit out. Okay. So, Gertrude Gertie G. Price takes her under her wing because she can tell she's super smart, she's a fast learner, and she basically makes her her catch-all assistant. Um, and then, in December of 1927, this story breaks in the newsroom while Aggie's there, and it's, there was a notorious child murderer named William Edward Hickman. He kidnapped and murdered a 12-year-old girl, and he was on the run. I know this one. You know that it's story? so sad. Why? Oh, you don't know it? Are no. Oh, you're probably going to tell Just it. tell me really quick Well, they're not paying attention. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. I know he, he chopped her up. Yeah. 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 But it gets worse. Worse than chopping up? Yeah. Blended? <laughs>
1: Blended up? No, I'll do it one day, but it's like not the kind of one you want to tell in front of an audience, got especially it, when it. there's a fucking baby. Uh, no. You know.
0: That baby's over there smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Pacifier. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you're here because your friend brought you and you've never heard this podcast, super sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> They'll explain later. <laughs> So she's standing in the newsroom when this story breaks. This guy was arrested, now he's on the run. And around her, the newsroom explodes, and she says, Explosion. Oh, fuck! <laughs> <clears throat> what if I? <laughs> That's just me lace- trying to lace a theme through my own story. And it was an explosion of a murder. Thank you all for being here tonight. <laughs> So this is her quote from her book. She says, As the Boltons pumped in and Cityside worked furiously at localizing with no idea Mm-mm. what that means, Mm-mm. I couldn't keep myself in my niche. I committed the unpardonable sin of looking over shoulders of reporters as they wrote. Mm. Which is I mean, what's worse than that? It's the eighth deadly sin. <laughs> So the newsrooms exploded around her. <clears throat> so basically, she's underfoot. Oh, in what I thought was ex- exasperation, Rod Brink, the city editor, said, All right, if you're so interested, take this dictation. So she typed, I typed the dictation, um, part of the main running story. I was sunk. I wanted to be a reporter. So she basically got herself into that newsroom, weaseled around, pissed somebody off, and then got a job as a reporter, which is so reportery. It's amazing. <laughs> It's kind of how we got this podcast. It's, a little bit. <laughs> we got underfoot. Uh-huh. It's under Stephen's foot. And then a man let us have it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <sighs> <laughs> okay, so her bosses, uh, uh, She she clearly wants the job. She's super smart. And she's got like that little, she's got that Irish psychic thing where she kind of like pays a lot of attention. She knows, she can see what people are doing. She's canny. Canny, as they say. Mm. So... Uh, And she also becomes very well-known for being fearless and tireless. She has an insane work ethic and she's unconventional. So in 1933, there was a huge earthquake in Long Beach. She got sent to report on it and she brought her son and husband. Uh? (laughs) Um, She'd do stuff like that. Uh, Also, and I bet... uh, um, (laughs) Just read, just read. We're on a clock. She also became known for her, um, as they call them, hard-boiled quips, Ooh. which is also what I'm known for. <laughs> hard-boiled quips. Mm. They smell, but if you put a little salt on them, they're so good. <laughs> Truffle salt, it's even better. You have it. So she went to the autopsy of the actress Thelma Todd. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, and they're all standing around in the morgue. The body is under the sheet and there's like a legendary story about her. She turned to the guy standing next to her and said can you imagine what any of these guys would have given to be under a sheet with Thelma Todd? Oh my god. That's very disrespectful. Why also, do you, what? Letting Excuse, r- what? Quarters. Why do you care all of a sudden? <laughs> They're mad. Um, come on. She was in there slugging it out with the boys. Why are there reporters in an autopsy to begin with, is our question. This Is, um, is that anyone's question? Be- before 1975, reporters were invited to everything. <laughs> Just anything that happened. They'd be like, let's get four reporters down here. <laughs> well, and at the time, uh, in 1926, there were six newspapers in Los Angeles that were competing against each other. Uh, Six major newspapers. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, it's obviously how everybody got their news. Why did I say that? <laughs> um, it's how everybody got their news. Newspapers. Look it up in the newspaper. She ends up working at the Daily Record for nine years, um, and she gets this reputation as, as being a crack reporter and, and a badass, and so the people at the Hearst Corporation hear about her, and they offer her a job at the Herald Examiner, a competing newspaper that was way bigger than the Daily Record. Um, but she says no thanks, they offer it a second time, again she says no. They just offer it again, or they give her more money? No, right after, they were like, do you want it? Are you sure? Do you want it? <laughs> Took four minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get one of those rubber thumb things Ooh, to yeah. turn pages faster. They Write that down. The money thing. Get a money thumb. Sta- hit the staples button. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the staples near my house closed, and I've never been more scared in my no. life. It's pretty much the end, it's, right? Yeah. It's over. It's over. Okay, let's have a great time tonight, everybody. <laughs> oh, okay, great. The kid- just them. Balconies into it. I don't know what orchestra's up. <laughs> Can I get an amen from the thing over there? Oh, thanks. Oh, okay. yeah. Super, super Christians. Um, but in 1935, the Daily Record gets sold to the Illustrated Daily News. Mm, what man. are these papers? So she decides she's quote ready to go work for Hearst. So, she takes the job covering what was called the milk route. So, she had to be at work at 3.30 in no. the morning every day. No, 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 no no, 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 Don't do that. Yeah. Driving around the city, no. trying to find uh, crimes and accidents and suicides and murders. Fun! Yeah. In the dark in Los Angeles. And um, that's around the time that she meets a, a photographer named Perry Fowler and they start uh, working together all the time. They unofficially become a team. Um, so the first big story that Aggie lands with the Herald Examiner is in January of 1935. Um, and it's an interview with Amelia Earhart. Holy shit. Yeah. She had just made, Amelia Earhart had just made her historic flight, uh, from Honolulu to Oakland. Yeah. Okay. And. Glamorous. Right. And, uh, so she, Aggie, goes at to Amelia Earhart's house in North Hollywood and waits outside for hours and hours until she gets there, and then she gets the interview. Mm. And she's the first reporter at the newspaper to get the interview. So she's, that's badass. Um, I was very rocked by that chunk of information when I was doing this because Amelia Earhart lived in North Hollywood. <laughs> and that you're not from around here, is fucking bizarre.
1: Like, Yeah, but back then it was fucking sprawling ranches and shit and like no. things here and th- over there. It's not like the fucking clown liquor store like it is oh, now. It is. It's
0: exactly the clown <laughs> liquor store. When the fuck do you think that thing went up? It's the clown liquor store and only. It was like a tree and then that clown. <laughs> and then Amelia Earhart's gorgeous ranch style house. Mm-hmm. Not everyone knows that clown was always there. Oh. You know, no one knows how it got there. Also, no one knows that you're not supposed to look that clown straight in the eyes. Mm -hmm.
1: Or you'll get
0: drunk. Time (laughs) to go stare at a clown. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) So she she works punishing hours in every type of weather. She never bothers to buy a raincoat or a hat. Oh, come on, honey. I mean, seriously. Radical (laughs) self-care. And acceptance after the care. One year, she's assigned to cover the, roles, the Rose Bowl parade, um, and she's, it rains the entire time, and she's super pissed, but not because she's being rained on, but because the rains were causing floods, and that's where she wanted to be reporting. She was super pissed that she got oh. assigned to the Rose Bowl. Fuck yeah, man. Floods that's are, our girl. Floods are crazy. Floods? <laughs> what do you think about that's floods? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Once when covering a fire in Malibu, started by an explosion, <laughs> a policeman tries to block her from going into the danger zone, and this, sh- this like, senior sheriff's deputy walks up and goes, it's all right, lad. So he was Irish. The- everybody in this story is Irish. She's been to a hell of a lot more things than you have along through. And then fucking, oh yeah, the tiger starts playing, Bunch and she st- starts walking into the fire. Why is she going
1: in the fire? She
0: was fireproof. And that's what <laughs> I'm going to get to on page 93. Hang in. You're going to freak out. Uh, she was described as tough as nails. Um, oh, do we have that, uh, that n- next picture, Stephen, of her in the- disheveled? Oh, <laughs> so that's shit. her, that's her at her desk. She's they describe her as disheveled which as a fellow female writer i say you know what that's how it is that's just she's, fucking how it is it's not a beauty contest i'll tell you that right now she's 23 right there
1: <laughs> which which phone does she use to call her son that she never sees
0: right there in the front that's okay. the emergency child phone look at the size of those scissors right there next to the back. georgia loves an old scissor She really loves old scissors. she does Well, and also she kept, see the baseball bat right Uh there? This is when she was city editor. This is what their picture's from. And then she used to just keep a bat on her desk in case people started fighting. And then she just starts swinging the bat at people. (laughs) That was her management style. Some people do it differently. I love her. But she was more of a (laughs) Dodgers-based. Baseball. Baseball. They also say that her voice... uh, (laughs) it's very rude a voice that would seduce only a foghorn what? What? why do they need to say that? why are you first of all it's a newspaper It's not... secondly you can't fuck a foghorn so like <laughs> why are you even bringing that up? in 1937 reporter Jack Campbell writes of her she should have been born a man
1: oh okay. now, listen listen
0: okay I get it it's the 30s this was back before women were paid the same as men for the same (laughs) job this is back before we had agency over our own bodies Uh and we could do with it what we wanted without the government getting you know what I mean? the fucking dark ages (laughs) (laughs) thank you ladies and gentlemen vice president Mike Pence here he is get up here big guy get up here political. We'll get political. Okay. She also prided herself on making up catchy uh, murder case names, so Ooh, um, like one time there was a, there was, uh, she had to go report on um, the stabbing of a waitress and she was standing there and she had a moment of inspiration and she picked up a white carnation and dropped it on the body, had her photographer take the picture no. and then refer to it as the white carnation murders.
1: That sounds illegal. Yeah. That sounds like fucking with the crime scene, as they call it.
0: I mean, they do these, these days, Yeah the forensic specialists <laughs> yeah. call it fucking with the crime scene. Mm. Apparently, um, at the scene when she did that, a cop objected and she hit him with her purse. Nope. Yes. That sounds illegal, too. Look, it was a different time. Okay. She becomes a master at reading people. So one time, there's a car accident by the Mount Wilson Observatory. This man, Laurel Crawford's entire family, dies mm. in a one-car car accident. Mm-mm. And um, when the cop on the scene asks Aggie what she thinks of the accident, she says, I think it smells. He's guilty as hell. <laughs> and she was right. No. He set up the whole thing <gasps> and killed his family for money. What a dick. I know. So... Those... Was there cheerleading happening? Uh, those senses also got her the story before other reporters. There was a case where there's a, a woman named Louise Pete who killed her employer. And um, when she was being held, the reporters were all standing around. They are all yelling, Louise! And asking her questions. Louise! Louise! And Aggie notices this. And she's like, Miss Pete, may I ask you a question? The woman's like, Yes, what is it? Because even though she was a murderess, she was also a lady. mm mm-hmm. Uh
1: mm-hmm. be back in one second. <laughs> you were talking about Amanda Pete. The
0: <laughs> right. I was listening. You thank you. So the Herald Express's motto was the first with the latest. Um Aggie delivers on that promise. She has a bunch of city and court officials in her pocket. So um big pockets, big, too, probably. Oh my god. I bet they were big pockets. She's got like a like a trial guy in here and like a lawyer guy (laughs) over here um so basically she does this this is actually cool so she she's paid a bunch of people off basically just so she can get the story first which is the job so uh one of the famous ones she did was she called a trial clerk right before he read the verdict of a case that everyone was waiting on pins and needles to see what the verdict was. She calls the trial clerk's desk and the trial clerk just picks the phone up and puts it back down Ooh. and then reads the verdict oh. And as she's typing. So she fucking gets it real time Girl. and gets the story out right minutes before the deadline. Shit. Right? Kind of shady, but
1: it's okay. I mean... It's a woman, so we're on her side. Right.
0: Right? She can do whatever she wants. Well, also because that was the thing. It was everyone was fighting to get the best story first. And this was back when, like, especially L.A. peepers were s- papers were so... <laughs> peepers? Did I say? Mr. Peepers? <laughs> um, L.A. papers were super tabloidy, mm-hmm. So everything was, you know, they, they took pictures of the body. They took pictures of people as they sat in jail cells. Like, the photographers could just go take pictures of people as the, you know, the shit was happening. They were welcome to step on evidence that was part of the <laughs> ritual. And just throw flowers on fucking <laughs> wherever. If body. you want to throw a flower, you can. It was a city ordinance. Okay. <laughs> so, the most famous thing, the uh, case that she's known for is, uh, it came on January 7th, 1947, when the nude, bisected body of Elizabeth Short was discovered in an empty lot in Lamar Park. You guys heard of this one? Um, she was getting out, smiling at me, like the Joker. She Aggie Underwood was the first crime reporter no. on the scene. Yes, she was. She what was if fucking, she did it. She was there for Think about it. Uh and she claims that the name the Black Dahlia was her idea. She did it. Right? She fucking did it. Based on that white carnation shit I told you earlier, yes. it's easier to believe. I get it. But okay. she says that because she got information from a homicide detective, in the LAPD So anyway, okay. twice during the investigation, during the Black Dahlia murder investigation, she gets pulled off the story two, ta- two different times. Mm. Both times with no warning and no explanation whatsoever. Mm. And the theory is, uh, but she did, she was, uh, by that point, she was known as the best crime reporter at the Herald Express. Um, and she ended up getting a byline about the story, you know, she's like had her column right on the front page. Um, but there are theories that she kept getting pulled off because she was getting close to figuring out who did it. Hmm. And the second time she got pulled off, she was promoted to editor of the city desk. Oh, they're like, let's get her the fuck out of here. Yeah. It's like, come on, we're having a party for you. Don't put that file away. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Which is kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'll t- we'll bring it up later. Okay. Um, whatever the reason, Aggie Underwood was the first woman to ever become city editor for a major metropolitan newspaper ever. <laughs> she was the first. <laughs> and she also lasted longer in that position than any man who had ever held the job before. The longest. 7, 8. The longest <laughs> that anyone had held a job before, that was four years. She worked there for 20 years. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And so on the 10th anniversary of her job there, I think this is the next picture, right, Stephen? Yes. They, gave, oh, her, no they way. gave her a life-size baseball bat. Well, look at <laughs> those alcoholics. Look at... She looks. She looks like... Someone, she looks like the mother of a dead girl from L.A. Confidential, doesn't she? She's like, um, we're sorry, Mrs. Underwood, we have bad news. Your baseball bat has been killed. (laughs) Look at those snacks, I wonder what those snacks are. Oh wait, we actually, uh, Stephen found this when we found this picture, there's a real good close-up. Look what's right behind her. Oh! No!
1: That's the Black Dahlia
0: killer! That's, you know who that is? Who? That's Black Phillip from The Witch. Wasn't his name Black Phillip? The goat? Do you want to live deliciously? Just keep that up, Steven. I think it's fun. (laughs) I think it's fun to have as wallpaper. She was featured on the TV show This Is Your Life in 1956. Oh. In 1959, she was named the f- in the first edition of Who's Who in American Women. In 1962, the Herald Express merged with the Herald Examiner. Um, they actually moved to the Examiner building, which was on 11th and Broadway, three fucking blocks away from here, Oh my so God. crazy. In September of 1964, she's promoted to managing editor. She's second in command of the newspaper that put out seven editions and had a readership of 725,000 people. Um, uh, and by getting that promotion, she only had to be at work at 6.30 a.m. now, so <laughs> she just got to you know, a bar- borderline banker's hour. She really got to relax. <laughs> Sleep in a little. Uh, so... Yeah! <laughs> Dad? <laughs> um, so, of course... The promotion's a big deal, and it's you know it's merited. Uh, I mean, it's to her credit, but she hates that she's not a reporter anymore, and um, she actually described the new job as quote wandering around for four and <laughs> four years as a half-assed executive, um, which is not her style. So after 33 years of service and increasing circulation for Hearst papers, she decides to retire, and. Um, about working for the Hearst Corporation, she said, I can't recall one Hearst executive ever saying nice work over a story I'd covered or even buying me an ice cream cone on my birthday, so help me. Whoa. (laughs) Ice cream cone is all she wanted. I just love that she's like, yeah, fuck those guys. (laughs) Like, can we get an official quote on how you felt about working for this company? (laughs) They were assholes. (laughs) Uh, at her retirement party, they had it at the Hollywood Palladium. Bob Hope was the MC. It was fucking sold out. Shit. Um, she got telegrams from governors, uh, senators, from President Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, oh I think there's a, see, even that book, there's the cover. Mm hmm. Oh. She was like that. friends with Bob Hope. She's reading his book, oh my and he's goodness. reading her book. How cute is that? No, there's no way he really read her book. Um, <laughs> she, uh, over a decades-long career, she received over 50 awards for her groundbreaking accomplishments in journalism, and on July 18th, 1962, the famed Los Angeles mayor, Sam Yorty, you know, remember? Um, he declared July 18th to be Aggie Underwood Day. Oh, that's um, why we have that day off. That's why. Okay. That's why all the banks are closed. <laughs> she died of a heart attack at age 81, and she's buried, of course, in Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale, and every newspaper in Los Angeles ran her obituary, It's very touching. Um, yeah. A one-time employee of hers, columnist Jack Smith, said about her, Aggie always reminded me of an old rhyme that used to be painted on the wall of a donut shop at 8th and Olympic. As or the life... As o'er life's road you roll, keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the hole. I know it's fun. <laughs> Just, I love but that. But here's the big finish. On her deathbed, <gasps> her grandsons found out that she worked on the Black Dahlia murder case, and they went to her and they were like, "Did you really solve it?" And she said, "I know who it is, but he's dead, and it doesn't matter anyway." No. And thus theory that Walt Disney was the black Dahlia fucking murderer. Am I right? Yeah. Right? Why wouldn't she say the name? Right? If it's like some dude or some like doctor or whatever like all those books are about then she'd just go, it was Doctor Who was Like who cares? But she's covering for somebody. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Lyndon B. Johnson. Lyndon B. Johnson killed Elizabeth Short. <laughs> that was fucking That's awesome. That's it. That was it.
1: That was fun. That was a wild ride. (laughs) Disney, a Disney ride. It was,
0: you know, I accused some people of murders. (laughs) That's how it is. I mean, me too. That's how we do it. Okay. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back.
1: I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream
0: cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound What you got over there, like a
1: bug or something? Yeah, there was a th- fucking gnat. It's oh. the ghost of Walt Disney. Okay. Um, I thought you were waving to the baby really weird. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> they love when you just spasically gesture at them. Okay, I'm really excited about this one. This is one of those stories that you're like, why haven't I done that? And you're like, well, I didn't think there was that much to do about it. And then you look into it and you're like, oh, this oh, is... Shit. Yeah, oh shit. Okay. So, are you ready for the Los Feliz murder mansion?
0: Oh! Nope. That's oh, fuck. Nope. Oh, that was her book. Please buy it today at your local Barnes & Noble booksellers. Look at it. What a woman. What a book. What a woman. What a book. What a woman. That was Jean Fowler's hit, What a Woman, What a Book. <laughs> All right. Los Feliz Murder Mansion. All right. Fuck, dude. Now, we've talked about this on the podcast, though. Yeah. Like, we've talked to each other about it. Absolutely. I, Maybe.
1: absolutely, maybe. <laughs> Pro- probably. <laughs> probably. Yes. Yes, we have. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we got emails about it. Okay, great. Okay. So, the LFMM, <laughs> or the Los Fieles Murder Mansion. So, it's one of those Los Angeles urban legends that people who are live in Los Angeles love to tell people who don't know it because we're, we like to brag and we're like, oh my god, you don't know about the Los management. Yeah. and then we can tell them about it and then they freak out and then they tell people who don't know and everyone's smarter than everyone else It's uh, with everything this podcast is based on uh-huh. <laughs> So uh, the first time I heard about it was on LiveJournal oh. way back when and Back I, when you were blogging? when I was blogging and like, yeah, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. The, the common urban legend is that a father killed his whole family and, and himself on Christmas Eve in the 1950s, that the house had sat abandoned and nothing in the house had been touched or changed since that night. And if you crept up and like trespassed and looked through the window, you could still see the Christmas tree and the presents underneath from the night he killed his family. Like that's the urban legend that everyone, you know. And tells. Does anyone talk about the level of dust that would be on yes. those things? Yes. It's like part of it. So okay. people who are really into abandoned shit yeah. are like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. That's
0: like but preserved yeah. almost. Yeah. Okay.
1: So it's like, oh, it's like uh, abandoned porn, abandonment porn. Yes. You know? Lots of people here are
0: into abandonment uh, porn. Me too. Yeah. It's Second like... Second only to changing room shame porn. <laughs> it's, it's And up there. porn porn. And then just regular porn. <laughs> porn um we rarely talk about porn i know especially not in front of my parents it's okay hi janet
1: (laughs) so it turns out that that isn't exactly true i'm gonna fucking tell you the real story okay finally the truth the truth comes out tonight So, 2475 Glendower Place is a four-bedroom, three-bath Spanish Revival mansion on over half an acre lot that sits atop a hill in Los Feliz. It was built in 1925. I'm gonna stop you, okay? Los Feliz. You're from here, Los Feliz.
0: I just was reading it in a voice. <laughs> oh, that was that lady's accent. That was that lady. My su- my it's, bad. Sorry. I am
1: now the um, like a 1950s real estate agent
0: who who doesn't know what Los Feliz is. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It was built
1: in 1925 by architect Harry E. Weiner. Weiner. And it was once owned by German film director, uh, silent film director Frederick Zelek. The house is Zelek. Zellick got it with a k right the house was described as a delightful 12-room home with terrace lawns artistic gardens and a magnificent view it has a ball it had a ballroom uh, with a bar keep doing the was. that was the end of the quote maids quarters a glass and conservatory and a podcast loft no it didn't i'm
0: sorry a glass
1: conservatory yeah for like th- concerts and stuff. No, I, I think they're like an atrium, right? Oh, I, know, I don't know. Uh, not conservatory people. <laughs> Let's see the photos, Stephen. Oh. Oh. Isn't it gorgeous? Yes. It Where's is. the Christmas tree? That left side. No, 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 no. We're gonna get there. Take right, it down. All
0: right. Okay. So they put the Christmas tree up in that window, like hung it from the ceiling.
1: <laughs> Christmas upside down art. Christmas. Okay, th- so this neighborhood is for fucking rich people, uh, <laughs> like richy rich. Still is. It still it, it is, and it was, and it's surrounded by like all these insanely gorgeous, fancy houses, million dollar houses, uh, including the Ennis house. You can see the you can this this house is right in front of the Ennis house, and I actually saw it. I saw it once from what? What's the Ennis house? Oh, the Ennis house was a uh, Frank Lloyd Wright house built for the oh, Ennis oh, okay. family. Got it. Um, that looks like but, a weird Aztec.
0: Or mayan temple yeah, or something yeah it's the one okay. that
1: was in uh house on haunted hill it's it's the house on haunted hill it's oh. like and it was in blade runner and all this shit it's like famous as fuck it's just a great house yeah uh, boo, boo, doo, doo. okay uh okay 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 by 1959 the so 1959 here we are the los Feliz <laughs> murder mansion was owned by the perilson family the patriarch of the family is harold Perilson. he's 50. he's known as a quiet and kind man bad news Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's a prominent surgeon specializing in cardiothoracic and allergies cardiothoracic thank you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and (laughs) i need him as my doctor but not him because you'll see yeah why he has a profitable, pa- a profitable patent for a new type of syringe. He's written one of the most respected clinical reports of the time that I'm not going to try to read to you.
0: Read the name it. of
1: the electrocardiogram in familiar periodic paralysis. Good stuff. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Doctors. So many doctors. And a well-respected keynote speaker in medical conferences around the country. So, Hot. Mm-hmm. His wife... Uh, is 42 year old Lillian and she's a homemaker and mother to the couple's three children 18 year old Judy daughter Judy 11 uh, year old Debbie and 13 year old Joseph. We have like this is the only photo I can find of any of them
0: How oh. creepy is that it's in? Uh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, that's not okay. That's not fun in any way. No, that looks like something from insidious too. <laughs>
1: just starts z- zapping in and out. Yeah, because his
0: eyes, the, like, the newspaper print is making the boy's eyes look like they were bleeding up. <laughs> Everything's fine. Okay, take it down. Okay. Uh,
1: all the neighbors, all the rich neighbors, of course, say that they're a loving family, shows no outward signs of strife, and by all accounts, they have wealth, respect, and success. <laughs> this is where if we had them, we would raise our red flags high in the air.
0: You don't want wealth, respect, and success. No, nope. That's a fucking, that's a quick train to deathville. ville everybody.
1: You want you all your outward signs to be crazy and dysfunctional, because then what's really happening, I don't know why. So you're just
0: kind of working through shit real time. Yeah. You're not saving it all up for right. a murder house situation.
1: Right. All was not well, it turns out. Mm.
0: Okay, the
1: story goes that, here's the story. There's so much fucking speculation and, like, different stories and embellishments online in every, like, every article you read, every blog post about it. Can you believe bloggers are embellishing? I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, it's just, a, there's so much craziness. I tried to get the closest to what exactly happened. Sure. So, But the- then embellish a little, too, because, <laughs> I mean, why not? A podcaster is talking shit on bloggers
0: embellishing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is when the podcaster blogger war started. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, the story goes that the night of December 6th, 1959, Harold came home from work like usual, fixed himself a drink. Lillian was wrapping Christmas presents and preparing dinner at the same time because women had to do everything back then. (laughs) Cooking and rapping at the same time. Yeah, nothing's more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, after dinner, the family watches TV, and then the two youngest children get tucked into bed by their parents. Judy, uh, 18-year-old who's o- older, goes to her room to do some homework, and everyone kind of just is reading and eventually goes to sleep. Harold, uh, before he fell asleep, was reading Dante's Divine Comedy, a little light, light <laughs> reading. Just some fun stuff. Uh-huh. The Stephen King of their day. <laughs> Eventually, uh, he falls asleep, but not before marking a specific passage in the book. We'll get there. Okay. Okay.
0: I can't wait for the <laughs> Dante's Divine Comedy part. I have like a four-page quote from it. It's gonna be
1: thrilling. It's gonna rhyme. <laughs> Sometime ar- around 5 a.m., Harold wakes up, goes to his toolbox. Grabs a ball-peen hammer
0: What are fucking ball-peen hammers for but to murder your family? Yes. Every story we read If you have one of those in your house, throw it away Flush it down the toilet Burn the handle and then flush the big part down the toilet Yeah It's the only solution (laughs) Um, okay
1: Goes to his wife's room And hits her while she's sleeping Yeah uh, as she lay dying, he goes to his eldest daughter, Judy's room. But she had woken up when she heard what was going on in the other room, so she was kind of prepared for him. So when he went to hit her, she was able to, bl- to, like, lighten the blow by blocking with her arm. So it didn't come down and hit her as hard. Uh, and she, uh, was able to get up her arm in defense, and, but she was disoriented. So. Apparently
0: I mean, your dad is trying to murder you. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he she's fighting with him and he says lay still and keep quiet. But she is like fuck you and lets out a <laughs> blood curdling scream. <laughs> right? She tries to get up and run, and her scream wakes up her sleeping siblings, the younger ones in the other room. So Debbie, the young, the daughter comes out to be like, what's happening? Why is my sister screaming? And Harold, thinking that Judy is dazed and incapacita- incapacitated, goes to take Debbie back to her bedroom. He says to her, allegedly, go back to bed. This is just a nightmare. He goes back to Judy's room to like, finish it off one would think but she's fucking booked it while he's tending to the other daughter
0: (laughs) both the quotes lay still and whatever that second one's you just go back to (laughs) bed this is just a nightmare nightmare. this man is i don't know anything about him and he's the creepiest thoracic surgeon i've ever heard of in my life that's right um
1: so she, despite a fucking skull fracture, she takes off down that crazy hill at the, you know, what the house is on. <laughs> what? Yeah. And runs, goes to the neighbors. They had already woken up because they heard her scream. So when she pounds on the door and they open it and she's got blood coming down her head, they let her in and they call the police. Um, Meanwhile, Debbie, the little sister who was like go back to bed. This is a nightmare. She Mm. was like I don't believe that and so when he she grabs her brother and they booked it the fuck out of the house, too Oh, thank God. I know
0: So, Baby the kids survive Everything's Everything's good. You your people are fine (laughs) She was about to walk out Diapers. Someone diapers, just told her this was a diaper.
1: comedy show. <laughs> she didn't know. Um, diapers. Da, 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 da. Okay. So Harold, at this point, he's like, "Oh, I did this wrong. The cops are probably coming." <laughs> yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. Guess. I'm. What is it called when you put You're words? You're riffing. I'm riffing. Sure. He goes back to his bedroom where his wife is now dead takes a concoction, concoction of acid and tranquilizer pills. And of course, it's like on every different place, it's a different kind of whatever he takes, uh, you know, Nembutal mm-hmm. or tranquilizers or codeine and the acid is supposedly cyanide. He takes a bunch of shit so that basically when the police arrive, he's on the ground in his bedroom uh, where his wife is dead in the bed. He's near death and he's got the fucking ball peen hammer in his hand. Won't let
0: go. Mm-mm. And then it becomes fused to his hand. Oh He comes back as the ball-peen hammer ghost. Oh, no. I'm just trying to get one film out of this experience. <laughs> one script. He is dead before the ambulance can get
1: there. Shit. So, on the nightstand next to Harold's bed, they find the copy of Dante's Inferno, uh, the Divine Comedy. And the passage that was marked reads... Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a dark for, nope, within a forest dark, for the straightforward path had been lost. It's creepy, but we don't really know what it means. He was probably just crazy, whatever. Okay. He's a surgeon. Okay. What more does he want? <laughs> so in the ensuing investigation to figure out why Harold had gone Bonkers. A letter was found that Judy had written to her aunt that said, we are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold. My parents are in a bind financially. Oh. Basically, she was like, we're fucking broke. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Despite outward appearances, uh, the Pearlsons were actually going through financial hardships. So uh, the rights to Harold's patent, his medical device patent, they were stolen by his partner after Harold and Lillian spent thousands of dollars developing it. And then he went on to spend thousands more on a legal battle that went on for years, and the settlement barely covered the legal costs mm-hmm. at, in the end. Um, and a few months after that, his children had been in a car accident that wasn't their fault. He had filed another suit against the driver, but the settlement barely covered uh, the children's medical costs. So, like, he needs a better lawyer, I'm thinking, you yeah.
0: know. <laughs> That's one thing he needs.
1: Another theory as to what happened was that... um Though friends were told that Harold had a recent spate of unexpected heart attacks, which had put him in the hospital, you know. <laughs> a spate of heart attacks. Yeah. That's too many. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Once plenty. <laughs> yeah. But they had to give an excuse as to why he kept having to go back to the hospital. Oh. But what really happened, they found that he had it had actually been suicide attempts. And they were saying that he was just in the hospital for all these heart
0: attacks. He keeps having it's so crazy. Dad (laughs) fell down and had another heart attack. So (laughs) We're trying to Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And it was also possible that the wife that Lillian or the doctors were gonna have him committed or that she had to do it at the end of a certain time a period of time So maybe he was just like I'm not going back we don't really know. All three children left to live with relatives and their whereabouts are now unknown. They changed their names so they wouldn't be associated with the murders. I, there's like one rumor of who someone is, but I don't even know if it's true, so I'm not going to say. Um, and also they don't want to be known. No, so, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and here's her photo. No, that would never do that.
0: <laughs> it's my mom. Oh my God. How cool would that be? <laughs> and in just, and researching this story, I discovered <laughs> <Shannon. clears throat> Okay.
1: Okay, in 1960. So, in 1960, a year after the murder-suicide, the mansion is sold at auction, and for the next over 50 years, the Los Feliz murder mansion would remain completely untouched and uninhabited by anyone. Okay, that that part's only kind of
0: true. Here's the truth. (laughs) How many times have you done that during this story? Just this once? You know, What, like reading it to my cats? Yeah. No, 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 reading something going, that's actually only partly true. <laughs> that's my whole life.
1: <laughs> okay, either way, I know people want, it, want this to be the creepiest, craziest story. It is super fucking creepy either way. Here's what really happened. The couple that bought the home were Julian and Emily uh, Enriquez of Lincoln Heights, They never lived there. They bought this fucking mansion and used it as a storage unit, basically.
0: Was this before storage units were available (laughs) to America? Before storage wars? It must be.
1: So they basically just kept bringing boxes and weird stuff over there and filling the house, which, so people thought that all the stuff had been, like, when people, the looky-loos would come and, like, try to look through the windows, they thought that that was all of the stuff being left behind. But it's still creepy.
0: (laughs) What? There's a box that says utensils on it. It's
1: so scary. Um, when Emily, when the mother died in 1994, their son, Rudy, uh, who they, they all paid the property tax so they couldn't take the house from them even though no one lived there. They, he only used it as storage as well. He'd never spent a night there. He made no changes from the home aside from installing an alarm system because the neighbors were complaining about squatters and ghost hunters constantly trying to break into the house.
0: What were these Enriquez's... What was the plan? You you wonder. I don't know. (laughs) They just fill the entire thing with boxes slowly but
1: surely like Tetris. (laughs) 25 more. Then it like explodes into the ether and it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, so... The house slowly fell into disrepair and nothing was done to maintain the property except for the neighbors, like, tended to the yard and, like, cleaned the gutters in front because they're like, this is hideous and we
0: hate looking at this. <laughs> they did it themselves? Yeah. Oh, that's and like, like when my neighbors put my garbage can back up my driveway. Ooh. when I, uh, Garbage day is Monday and I'll I'll leave it out there till Thursday. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what they did. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Uh, we have a photo of the... Of the abandoned-looking house. Yes.
0: Oh shit! How fucking creepy is this? You those can... those fences make things look way creepier though, too.
1: No, but that's pretty creepy. It's
0: you know, it's creepy by itself. I mean, think about what
1: happened in there. Just saying, the
0: fence adds. Yes, it, it does. really adds. It
1: adds ten pounds
0: of terrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go in there so bad. I mean, to a point where it broke my heart that I could never do it. Like, this is my
0: fucking dream. We could get into that glass terrarium or whatever it's called. (laughs) I bet you. If we put on, like, balaclavas and we'll wear the black shirt I always wear, and we'll just climb a fence.
1: (laughs) Honestly, like, if I could travel the world only breaking into houses like this, I would do it (laughs) just to go through things. I don't want to like fuck anything up. I just want to look around like an asshole. You know, people do that. Like, that's why I go to estate sales. I just want to go through people's stuff. It's so fun. Like maybe buy their old like cookbooks. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Get in their lives. (laughs) All right. So now onto the rumors that everything from the night of the murder was left behind and still there. It's not true. What people who peeked through the windows were really seeing was the fucking crazy shit. The Enriquez family, who sound like hoarders? Left behind. The
0: richest hoarders of all time. <laughs> yes. And, well, at the same time though, I
1: wonder, The house was sold in 1960, so it happened in 1959. No one probably wanted to
0: buy that house, you know? True. So maybe they got it for a steal. A song. That's what I meant to say. Sure. But I mean, still, if you buy a house, you'd want to go ahead and live there. Sure. Or at least fix it up and sell it. Yeah. You throw a coat of paint on there, just yes. smudge stick or whatever. Clap the corners on I
1: don't know. um Okay, so they left behind all this stuff, including, like, vintage magazines and vintage cleaning products, which made people think that that was... Uh, belong to were the they fucking with people? Pearls. they might have been fucking with people we have um a photo okay so this is from a website a blog called mylabucketlist.com um she like this <laughs> chick basically is me but braver she snuck up there and like took all these photos in the through the window so here's uh one of them
0: oh we get to see Ooh.
1: So, see the magazine. That's a Life magazine. That's a Post magazine. So, when she put those up online, people were like, um, "That came out in the 19 in 1965, and so it's clearly not the Pearlson families. Doesn't belong to them, you know. And there was a box of s- Spaghettios in the kitchen, <laughs> and they were like, "It's the murder Spaghettios, and shit. Like they were really excited that like somehow." A box of Spaghettios belonged to a murderer is like interesting. But it is interesting, <laughs> but it turns out that Spaghettios weren't manufactured until 1965, which is like internet sleuths are the best. How they're just like, nope, sorry, dicks. Yeah, <laughs> hate to rain on your parade with Spaghettios, but
0: Chef Boyardee wasn't even invented until in 1963. <laughs> which, anyway, nice try. <laughs>
1: And then there's another urban legend that the house was rented to a family a few years after the murder who were living there until one night, right around Christmas, or right around the anniversary of the murder, suicide, the family fled the house in terror, ghosty, ghost shit. and um, <laughs> Ghosty ghost shit. Ghost shit. Yeah. And left behind everything, including a Christmas tree and unwrapped presents. Like the Christmas tree part is a big part of this urban legend that people will tell you about because it sounds so creepy. Uh, but here's the thing. There's no photo anywhere of a Christmas tree. So that doesn't seem like it that's existed. just hot gossip sorry guys yeah but there is a photo through the window of a creepy old i think it's the living room and christmas wrapping paper on the couch here's another one from my LaBucketList.com. how terrifying you see that yeah and then
0: look at all the dust and shit and that old-timey fucking thing yeah oh also that makes me uncomfortable there's an office style file uh cabinet uh-huh. there you don't have that in a living room or a TV room, that's not, that's for dad's office only. Mm-hmm, unless you're keeping files on something sinister. Chef Boyardee. Right.
1: So, um, doo doo okay, ba And the other thing is, the reason we know it's not the Perilsons is that they were Jewish, so. <laughs>
0: it's probably not the Christmas crap. <laughs> There's so many internet sleuths that were immediately like, "Yeah, does anyone get this? Okay, we'll wait till you people catch up." Um, And just for fun, because I love this
1: shit, here's one more creepy photo from my LA bucket list through the window. Nightmare! God, don't you just want to like tiptoe through that house like alone, no
0: one's there with you? Those yellow chairs are so clearly from Overstock.com. There's like no fucking question in my mind. No. it. I would immediately, uh, I would see that picture and I'd just be like, $49.99? No, they're creepy from the death house. So they're creepy. No, they're so creepy. But they're also a bargain. But they're also,
1: you can't afford not to buy them. <laughs> like, but look at that giant old school sofa, you know? Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Okay. okay. In 2016, all fucking, all of us weirdos lost our minds <laughs> when the house went up for sale. And this was when we were finally able to see inside the house because there weren't a lot of photos. There's some woman online who broke into the house. Did she? They broke into the house. It looks like a lot of squatters (laughs) used to live there because there's now junk everywhere. It looks like they went through all the closets and all the Enrique stuff thinking it was not, thinking it belonged to a murderer, which is horrible and uh, they went in there so there's some weird photos from inside of there but we finally got to see inside the house I feel like this is that whenever that
0: it went on sale is when we talked about it it was like the very beginning of the show yes and we were like let's buy it yeah um we still have a Patreon up if anybody wants to donate to, it might be too late.
1: Actually last night when Vince and I, Vince and I were lying in bed and I was writing this and uh, I was like, can you believe it sold for this or it was up for this much and he was like, who would want to live in a death house and I was like, oh shit he doesn't know about me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I had to explain why I would really, really, really want it. You would live in a house where somebody murdered his, his wife? Yeah. I'm asking her. <laughs> lady goes absolutely (laughs) it's the ghost
1: of uh (laughs) uh, i wouldn't live there because someone was murdered there but i wouldn't not and it would kind of be a if i were deciding between two places and one it'd kind of be a bonus in like a really cool
0: spooky way and like have you ever seen one scary movie (laughs) (laughs) one no any no no. oh we gotta get you okay first Insidious 2 is where you have to start because <laughs> it's so crazy but it's also a sequel okay
1: <laughs> do, do, do 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 okay so we all lost our minds before all the junk was hauled off so the house could be listed um Supposedly this woman who is a friend of the late owner. Her name is Alexis Vaughn. She's a photographer. She was invited. She's like the only person ever who was invited into the house to take photos before they got rid of everything. Um, and she posted those photos on her website life in my lens. Here's one of the photos. Ooh! Or two photos side by side.
0: An oven. It's so
1: creepy. <laughs> Do you not find any of these creepy? Am I crazy? I so just those are two I, separate questions. I just like
0: comedy. Oh, okay. Um once No, the- no, I mean, I, they're creepy in a way, but then kind of knowing the knowing that it's the Enriquez's stuff. Yeah. Like I would be freaking out if we knew it was their stuff. I should I should have written this differently. Huh? No, no, no. But but that's it's the truth. Because yeah. I I've actually known the wrong story this whole time. Yeah. So I want to know well, it. Well, I wanted to ruin everyone's <laughs> day.
1: <laughs> it's fun, right? Yeah. Once the house uh, was cleared of all the junk and slightly cleaned up the real estate listing photos of the now empty house went up with the listing Here's some pictures. That's the ballroom with the fucking bar. I mean they did hang out there though the did, family did, They did well they lived there. Oh, oh. you know what I mean?
0: That's the creepy-ass fucking ballroom. They just stood in that room going you like know, that. how you swim. It's kind of like swimming, but just in the ballroom. Yeah. Every night from 7 to 8. <laughs> I think there's another one, Stephen. Yeah. Ooh, it's so Gorgeous creepy. Gorgeous floors.
1: <laughs> the house was ultimately bought for $2.289 million, yeah. even though... The family, I mean, it's really sad, and a lot of people are super bummed that there was this gorgeous, like, historical house that uh, that then this family bought and wouldn't sell it to anyone. They refused. it, lots of offers and just let it fall into disrepair, and it might just be a teardown because there's so much damage. So it's kind of shitty. No one knows why they did that. They wouldn't explain it to anyone, and it's just this sad, weird, creepy thing on top of the fact that this awful, horrible thing happened in the house before. It's yes. almost like the house itself is this
0: entity where only weird shit can happen in it. What? It's an entity that makes you store things. It's just (laughs) box it up. There's a voice that whispers box it up all night (laughs) as you sleep. I don't know. I just feel like I I feel like we can't use the closets in our own home anymore. Oh, yeah. It's just they're creepy too. I want to know what the fuck was going on with them. It's super creepy. Okay. That should be the ne- the thing for the next uh, the web sleuths. They need to get uh, all up in the Enriquez's business. Yeah, go to their house, squat in their <laughs> Well, do it. Uh, well,
1: they died. So <laughs> I forgot to say the reason it went up on, up for sale is because Rudy died in his eighties, and so the house went up on auction. You Got know. It. Yeah. Uh, it sold for 2.2, blah, blah, blah. By, and it was bought by TV legal analyst Lisa Bloom, who happens to be Gloria Allred's daughter. Oh, shit. I know. And you're like, oh, she's probably creepy. I like that she's, she knows some shit. I don't know why I feel that way about her. Like maybe <laughs> because she bought this house. No, because everybody knows
0: it's the, they call yeah. it's the Los Feliz murder house. And they it's were the like- only people who put a bid on it, too. Right. Yeah. Well, her, and Katy Perry, probably. <laughs> she would have gotten in there. If she had known it, she was probably on tour. <laughs>
1: Um, so why Harold Perelson committed this crime? It's still a fucking mystery. And unless one of the kids comes forward and writes their tell-all, or says what happened about the family, we'll never know what happened that night for sure. And that is the Los Feliz murder mansion. Wow.
0: That's a good one. I'm gonna check this. You guys better
1: drive by before they make it all Hollywood and shit. Ooh, we have time. Do we? we? Yeah. I checked. Do we have time for our hometown? Oh, hell
0: yeah! Yes! Marie, uh, Enriquez walks up here. I'll tell you what I did with that. Oh, no. Those SpaghettiOs, motherfuckers. I ate the whole box. (laughs) Um, tell them the rules. Oh, all right. Well, um, having been on this, you know, tour for a a year and a half, we've seen some hometowns, good and bad, amazing and fine. And, um, (laughs) and based on those experiences, we've made a couple rules. So obviously we want you to do a hometown that's from Los Angeles. It's relevant to the people in this room. Nobody gives it to be like California. Yeah. The Southland. Nobody gives a shit about like Modesto. No, 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 no. Um, Look, let's be honest. Look, listen, Modesto. (laughs) Listen, listen. Um, You can be drunk, but you can't be so drunk you can't tell your own story. You have to be able to track your own talking as you do it. Remember the girl who was like, I'm on Xanax. Okay, and then just fucking went for it? Yeah. She did great. Yeah, she was good. She She used the alcohol to her advantage. There's some people that... They, they start of like, they start strong and then like seven sentences in they realize where they are and what they're doing. <laughs> they're like, I didn't buy tickets to this. What the fuck is going on? It's, everything gets real slow. Um, you know, just kind of make it snappy. Remember that if you get picked, everyone else hates you so they don't really want to watch you tell a story. So you have, to, you have to really bring it on a high level mm-hmm. if you don't think you can do that. Um, um, no improvisers. <laughs> just kidding. Um... I think that's it right okay yeah and I've been picking and I've been pretty I got I'm gonna run so don't fucking ruin this for me Yeah we were going back and forth and it would be like whoever if you picked a person they didn't do a good job Then the other it was now the next person's turn to do it and And Georgia's been doing it for like the last 11 so Uh,
1: uh. Okay let's get so she's on it okay Right yeah right here yeah 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 Oh, I wow. love when you and I point at someone who's like wildly waving their hand and then their face just falls in like an, oh shit, I didn't mean that kind of way. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, how
0: are you? <laughs> Thank
1: you. Hi. What's, oh. your What's your name? <laughs> Mona. Mona. You're standing yeah, here. Cool. C- center sure. up. Here we go. This Stink is Mona. the stage picture. Oh, thank God, it's
2: dark. I know, right? Um, where are you from, Mona? Uh, I'm from up the coast a little ways. Uh, Ventura. Ventura oh, oh, Ventura. Ventura. I love Ventura. Are, are you a surfer? God, no. Okay. <laughs> no balance. What do you do for a living? Uh, I sell insurance. Cool. All right. We all need it. It's true. It's mm-hmm. true. So what's your hometown? So, okay, a long time ago when I was in, like, the seventh or eighth grade, I had this, um, there was a teaching team at my middle school, Mr. and Mrs. Shirley. Mm -hmm. And my brother was on the track team with, I think it was Jake Bush. So what happens is, Miss Shirley is super nice. She's like my English teacher. Mr. Shirley's like my history teacher. And one day, Miss Shirley comes home with Jake Bush. Mr. Shirley's, I think, still grading papers or whatever. They come home, the house is robbed, and it's like, fucked up beyond all belief. Shit's everywhere. So in shock, they just go in and the mom's like, oh shit. She starts going to get the, the phone to call the cops. Jake, being a fucking 16, 17 year old, runs into his bedroom to see if any of his shit's fucked up. <laughs> so what happens is the dude's still freaking there. No, 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 no. He's behind the door. <gasps> mm-hmm. That's where you don't want him. No. <laughs> oh yeah. So the fucked up thing is, he was just there. He didn't like flee or anything. He stabs poor Jake. Oh. <sighs> Jake is screaming. His mom runs into the room. The guy runs out. She literally is holding him, <gasps> trying to stop the bleeding, and he dies in her arms. Oh, before no. the comes. Jake. It gets worse. Oh. oh. It always does. So it like rocked the community. I remember being in the class on the last day of school because they finished the fucking school year and Miss Shirley cried it at- Everything, and I remember her just being a fucking mess for months. She still came to class. Yeah, school. Cut, cut the school year short. Isn't it hard enough for teachers? It's right. And I remember him, like uh, Mr. Shirley, giving this moving speech about how Uh. we really helped them through it and all this. I remember sewing the fucking memorial black patch of my brother's track uniform. Uh. So it was awful. It was never really solved. It just sat there for years and years and years. Last year. Ooh. <gasps> Last year they brought a guy to trial and they convicted him. And it was because whoever pulled the palm print off the window pulled it in a way that there was DNA. Ooh. And he shit in the closet? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like was, they fucking ran his shit DNA <laughs> and
2: yes. they got a match in Codis. Yes. Holy sh- shit! Right? Well, and how dumb do you have to be? Not only are you in this house, you've robbed it. You're there long enough that you have to take a dump. You don't use a fucking toilet. Oh. You shit in the closet?
0: Well, it might have been after they got home. So he's just he was really trapped. I mean, it's hold true. It, true. Was, it was a bad situation. Oh my god. So
2: long story short, his own shit did him in and. He's behind George but it's where he should be. Yay! Wow,
0: wow! That's how you do it. That's how you tell a hometown murder. Oh, we have a present for That's you. That's it. Oh, look what? at this cool! You have a prize. Thank you. Orpheum
1: gave us these incredible hats, and on the back it says, "Live Nation presents my fir- my favorite murder." Sold out, March 16, 2018. Oh.
0: It's a one of a kind. <laughs> so, so good. That was amazing. I'll take that from you. Yeah, you can't have that. Oh my God. That is how you do a hometown. I
1: mean twists and turns. I was way down here and sad and like, how are we gonna get out of this? And then it
0: like got here and I did not see the shit coming uh -uh. at all. You never did. You never see the shit coming.
1: Fuck. This is the last night of our big tour, our like winter tour. We're home, we're home.
0: To be here in our own hometown, in Hollywood, in a place where people are professionally disinterested in everything, everything everyone else is doing. It's pretty fucking amazing to do something, have a show that sells out, have this many people give a shit about what you're doing. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, We are so incredibly lucky that we
1: get to do this as a job. And thank you guys for making this incredible community around this horrible thing we talk about making it positive We're we're so lucky to be a part of it. and We appreciate so much what you guys have done for us. So thanks for being here. Yeah,
0: thank you Thanks for uh, (laughs) Thanks for doing this whole thing with us we we really and very literally couldn't do it without you Thanks to Vince for being our tour manager Vince has been our tour manager just do a quick. Come on, this he doesn't want. This you. is the man that makes it happen on the road. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Hey. He literally sometimes will be like, "You just need to eat a little salad." <laughs> it's the <laughs> nicest thing in the world. Uh, yeah. This is. Yeah. If we're lucky. This is amazing. We're very happy, and when mostly we just want you to
2: stay sexy. And. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Thank you so much.